Our gospel lesson today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 10th chapter, verses 24 through 39. Again, our gospel lesson is Matthew 10, verses 24 through 39. If able, I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel lesson. The disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Even the hairs of your head are counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be members of one's old household. For whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The word of God for the people. You know, I always find it interesting when talking with my fellow Christians, whether it be y'all in the congregation, folks that I meet around, or this last week I, I spent time at the General Assembly, which is the gathering of all the different presbyters from all over the United States, all of the various churches in the EPC are represented there. And it's just interesting when we talk and we have a common language. We all speak English. And yet, when we say certain things, sometimes people hear us very differently than what we intended, even though we kind of have the same. We went to school, we all learned what the words mean, right? But it turns out sometimes words mean something a little different. Sometimes there's nuances, there's things within them that, you know, Some people gravitate to and other people kind of ignore that part of it. Now, the word disciple, basically, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a disciple? A follower. You know, and, you know, we look in the uh, New Testament, it talks about the disciples. And how many disciples were there? Twelve. And that's the common answer, of course. And those twelve were disciples, but there are actually hundreds of disciples. In the New Testament, there were 12 apostles. 
See, again, that gets into specifics. Now, all the apostles were disciples, but not all the disciples were apostles because not only were they, all the folks that followed Jesus, including the ladies and the folks that came after were disciples, which includes us. Are we not too also called to be disciples? And so, again, that word sort of gets broadened out, and it's one that I think that sometimes we don't really use. How many of you this last week thought of yourself as a disciple of Christ? That that actual thought came into your mind, I am a disciple of Christ. For some, for others, we know that we follow Christ, we know that we're Christians, which, by the way, is a Christian is another word for a disciple of Christ, or a follower of the way. Now, there's another connotation to a disciple that sometimes we definitely in this country and in this century overlook. And that is the definition of a disciple is also a slave. Did you know that? Did you know that you're slaves? Okay, let me ask real quick before I go on. How many of you are uncomfortable with the word slave? Really? Because I don't like saying it. It just has weird connotations. Matter of fact, doing this, I feel comfortable in here because the doors are shut. But if we were outside, especially here in the South, I don't think I'd be shouting the word slave. I might say it, but I wouldn't say it with quite as much confidence. But in fact, when we say disciples, if you look in the scripture text today as it lined up, it's a very close relationship. Because as he was saying this, that a disciple is not greater than his teacher, and a slave is not greater than his master. There's just a little tiny comma separating. It's not a colon. They weren't separate sentences. They were right there together. It's basically saying the same thing again and again. A disciple and a slave. In other words, as slaves, we belong to Jesus Christ, which is a good thing. Amen? Now, if we go back to what Paul was writing to the Romans about sin, you see, we used to be slaves to sin. Because what slavery means is slavery means that you are owned by something, that something is in control of you, and you really have no say in it. Now, you may rebel against that. You may balk against it. You may even try to run away from it. But the thing is, if you are a slave to something, you belong to that. You are owned by that. It possesses you. And in most things, that's a very bad thing. But... Of all the things in the world that we could be slaves to, being a slave to Jesus Christ is probably not such a bad thing after all, to know that it's that level of ownership, that he is that invested in us, that he, we're not just someone that he cares about, but we actually, he actually owns us. We are his property. We belong to him. And if we belong to him, then we must serve him. Amen? And in that service he then begins to talk about what that might mean for us. He begins with, uh, you are not greater than the teacher. It is simply enough to be like. In other words, we are called to be, we are not called to be Christ himself. How many of you have ever thought, um, I need to save somebody? Oh, come on now, we're in the South. We know we got to get out there and do some evangelism. We got to get Jesus out there. Why do we have to get Jesus to the people? Because we got to save them. I see y'all know where I'm going with this, so that's why you remain silent. And I don't blame you. Now, the truth is, we can't save anybody. Only Jesus can save. But, however, comma, Jesus does save people through our actions and by our inclusion. Why else would he tell us to go and make disciples of all nations? 
It's not that He needs us, but He includes us. Because we belong to Him. And because we belong to Him, that means He can use us however He so chooses. Amen? And so He includes us in this ministry by telling us to go out. A matter of fact, when we were talking about today's Scripture, it is within a big narrative that began with Him sending out the disciples, the apostles, to the Jewish mission field. He told them, don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans, but simply go to the lost children of Israel. Now that's because oftentimes when missions are given, they are given specifically. See, because when it's specific, it's intentional. When it's intentional, it's focused. When it's focused, it does a lot more good. For example... How many of you have sprinkler systems around your yard? What are your yard? Anyone? You see, I don't because if you water it, it grows. And if it grows, you have to cut it. So I'm figuring, you know, it grows anyways, but I'm not helping it. But anyways, the basic design of a sprinkler system is to lightly distribute water everywhere. Correct? And with that, you get a nice little... Now, how many of y'all get that guck on the side of your house that you got to get off? How many of you would use a sprinkler to wash that off? No, of course not, because that little bit of water wouldn't do anything. What do you get? You get a pressure washer. You get one of those things that you plug in and it gives a little bit of power and pressure and it focuses that water. And when you focus that water, all of a sudden that same water that just lightly fell on the ground and didn't do much other than water the plants, didn't disturb the soil, now can scrape that guck, that mold, that mildew off the side of the house. And if you're not careful, you're going to take some mortar out too. So watch the setting. But the thing is, when it's focused, it just, just does so much more. And so oftentimes we see in the Scripture, when God sends people on a mission, He sends them on a very specific mission, a very targeted mission. Now, there are ramifications, there are things that happen out of that, and out of the mission that the apostles took to these Jewish cities came the ministry, came what became the future churches, which then also was the mission to the Gentiles and to the whole world. And so it does develop. But oftentimes when we do mission, it's very focused. But also, when it's focused like that, when we're sent, when we're told to go, if you remember, the disciples said, don't take any money, don't take any extra cloaks, just go. How many of y'all like the idea of mission work? Show of hands. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm call you. Show of hands. Who here likes the idea of mission work? Who thinks mission is what we should be about? Okay, if your hand's not raised, you're wrong. I'm going to tell you that right now. So let me ask this again. Who here thinks mission is important and mission is what we should be about? I'm not asking you to go on a mission, okay? Don't worry. Raise your hand. All right, let's go. I'm not going to pull the bus around. But mission is critical. Mission is what it's all about. Why was Paul called into the service of the Lord? This guy who persecuted the church, this guy who wasn't the greatest speaker, this guy who initially was against everything that Christ was doing in his church, why was he called into service? Because Jesus had a mission for him to go to the Gentiles, to take that word out. And so mission is essential to our calling. Matter of fact, what are the very last words in the Gospel of Matthew? 28 chapter, verses 19, what, are, what is it? Or 18 19. Go therefore into the world and do what? Make disciples of all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and teaching them to obey everything that I've taught to you. In other words, we have been given a mission as Christians, as disciples, as slaves. We have a duty to our Lord to be a missional people. Now in that, there's some promises and some assurances. Our mission is to take the gospel out, to take the word out, to basically take, go out and show Christ to the world. Amen? That's what it says. I'm not making this up. But we're told, but don't worry about it, because that which is hidden will be unhidden. That which is secret will be, will be made known. In other words, don't worry about it. There are powers to be. There are powers present. And no matter what happens... It's going to come out. This is going to happen. Now, he also does, as Jesus is a very honest leader and master, he knows there's going to be trouble. He knows there's going to be problems. See, the reason why I started saying mission, people started going, oh, because what is mission about? It's about risk. When you go out, I mean, heck, just out these doors, there's risk. He places to be. Now, granted, Trenton's a pretty, pretty safe place, but we've got missionaries, we've got folks that are going out into places in this world that are dangerous. I just heard a story about a young man who took the gospel to a group of people on an island that no one ever stepped foot on that island and lived to tell about it. And he was warned. And he was told, don't go. But he said, I must. For the gospel. Now I would like to tell you that the happy ending of that was that young man stepping on that shore and they were so impressed by his bravery that they immediately received him the gospel. They did not. They killed him within moments of stepping foot on that shore. But he penned a note to his parents before he went saying, do not be angry with the people that I go to for God has called me to go to them. And if I die, I die in the service of our Lord. I die because I was told this is what I had to suffer in order for the kingdom of God to advance. You see, sometimes in our world, there doesn't seem to be a lot of challenge to us. There doesn't seem to be a lot of stress. I mean, sure, we throw some money in the offering plate. We occasionally get tapped to do children's church or vacation Bible school or something like that. And we do it, and I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. But let's face it. Here in Trenton, Tennessee, at First Presbyterian Church, there's very little chance of many of us getting shot for our faith. I mean, you might be in a grocery store and mention something and someone may give you a hard time, but even that's not really all that likely here as it is in some other places. But still we have a sense to call and go. And Jesus warns. He says, don't be afraid when you're called. Don't be afraid of those, and he's, he's right up front. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. Now, granted, that's, that's some pretty serious stuff. Um, I remember in the military, when we were practicing and all of our stuff, you know, I had a sergeant said, you know, it's not your job to die for your country. It's to help the other side do that for theirs. So keep your head down. Now, granted, it was dangerous, but they still told us, you know, you got to keep your head down. And that's a natural human thing to keep your head down and be safe. And we should stay as safe as possible when it's possible. But Jesus says, do not fear, though, those who can kill the body. Do not fear if your faith, if, your owner, if, if Christ's ownership over you then causes you to be sent into a place that's dangerous. For yes, you may be harmed, 
You may even be killed, but they cannot destroy the soul. Rather, understand that it is your Father in heaven who can destroy both the body and the soul. He is the only one to be feared, and that word fear is more be in awe of, to basically come to terms with the power. We often like to think of God sometimes as a little bit smaller. You know, He is our friend. He is our buddy. We kind of get that. But He is our sovereign King, Lord God, ruler and King of the universe. And in His will, we may not understand all the things that are required. I do not understand why that young man went to that beach. In my hearing of that story, I was upset because I, like many, thought he didn't even get a chance to tell them why he was there. What good could possibly have come out of that? And we'll never know. But then again, I'm sure there were many that saw Jesus hanging on that cross and wondered what good can come of this. The persecution of his apostles. Paul in prison, Paul eventually killed. Peter, crucified upside down. The exile, the jail. What good can come of that? And we look around and we see what good has come of that. For as we were told to take the world do all that take the word of God to take to make disciples of all nations, as we were told to do this, we see that it has been very successful. Now it's not done. Did you know that there are still countries and places that the word has never been brought? There are places that have never had a witness, never had anyone to explain to them. Now I do believe that in and of itself, creation and the world we live in is enough to sense there is a God and there is a creator. But without someone to actually tell them the story, to tell them that Christ died for them, it's hard for them to fully understand the truth. And Christ knew this, and so he has sent us in there, some in different capacities, some into mission work. And I ask you if you agree with mission. I didn't ask you if you're going to be a missionary, because that's a very important difference. Because like anything else, to be a missionary is a calling. It's not something to be done lightly. It's not something that, oh, that would be neat. You know, it's not something you go to the job fair and go, hmm, do I want to run a paper route or do I want to go and live in Uganda for three years? It's not something to be taken lightly. It is a call by God because when God calls you and puts you in a place, that means that God is there with you. God is active. Matter of fact, I spoke about this earlier. Why do we evangelize? Why do we go out? Because we have to bring Jesus to people? Is that the general answer you've been told? Has anybody here ever been told you got to bring Jesus to somebody else? Seriously? People are just like looking at me. I don't know, I've been gone a little while. I was like, the other people didn't ask us questions. I don't know if they did or didn't, but... Of course, that's, that's our, our whole mentality of, you know, we don't necessarily all call to mission, but we're all, we are all called to evangelize. Amen? which means we are all called upon to be able to, to give witness to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, which oftentimes people describe as we are called to bring Jesus to the people. Let me ask you this. Here in Trenton, Tennessee, let's just bring it back home. Do you think that there is a single soul in this town that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Do you think that is a possibility? 
Do you think maybe that there's more than one of them? Is it possible there's a whole bunch of them? Now, we got like nine churches, and I tell you, people from other states, when they hear the size of our town, how many churches? Wow, that's a lot of churches. I said, that is a lot of churches. God is doing great, but we have not crossed the finish line, because I guarantee you there are still some people. So do you think we need to take Jesus to these people? Aha, you finally got you. That's the way I used to phrase it myself. We've got to take Jesus to these people. But here's the thing. Do you think Jesus ever needed to be taken anywhere? No, of course not. Jesus is not the student or the slave. Jesus is the master. Jesus is already out there. God is already present. What we need to do, and we need to think about this in our evangelism, is not that we have to save people or take Jesus to people, but we have to go to the place that Jesus already is. And we are called to be his body. He is the head, the leader. But we are the hands that in his name can help people. Evangelism isn't always talking about Jesus. Sometimes it's showing Jesus. Sometimes it's showing people what Jesus would do if he was there. You know, basically giving their needs, helping feed them, maybe cutting their grass, maybe just giving them a hug or a pat on the back or in some way conveying to them the love of Christ because we are the hands. It is the feet. It means we need to go and walk into the places where these folks are at. We need to meet them. Why do you think there are so many people that are not connected to Jesus Christ? Do you think it's because the message is bad? No. Do you think it's because the people that bring the message are bad at it? Some of them are. But if we read in Philippians, Paul says some preach the gospel correctly and some preach it for their own accord. But thank God the gospel's preached. In other words, it doesn't matter if you're really good at it. Jesus is there. It's his strength and power that is the converting factor. It is just simply ours to go along. And so there is this epitus to call, to go to go into the world. Now, for a very few and select people, they are gifted as missionaries. For the rest of us, maybe it's our call to find some of these missionaries and pray for them, get to know some of them, get to know the mission work they're doing, to send them words of encouragement when they're in the field, and maybe just maybe support some, some of their needs while they're there. Not all of us are called to be missionaries, but we're all called to be a missional people, be in support of. But we are all called to be evangelists. We are all called to be able to speak. Now, does that mean that we all have to be a preacher? Well, that's also a call. I tease some of my elders, they say, well, you know, you may have it this Sunday. Or, and, of course, they're like, well, it'll be short. Well, you know what? Sometimes short is good. As long as Christ is preached. You know, in truth... Um, there's, a, there's a running joke about a minister who was a well-known, renowned preacher that came to one of his students' churches, and he was asked to preach, and everybody in the church was so excited because this, this, this juggernaut of ministry was coming to preach. And the man got up, and he stood in the pulpit, and he said, love one another, and then he sat down. Now, he was there for three weeks. So they're like, okay, well, maybe he's building. So second Sunday he gets up, and he simply says, love one another, and he sits back down. And they're like, well, the third one's going to be it. So the pews are packed. People are waiting to hear this. And the man gets up once again and says, 
love one another, and he sits down, and one of the elders who just couldn't take it anymore stands up and back and goes, wait a minute, you were this renowned preacher. What is up with this love one another? He says, well, as soon as you get that part down, we'll move on to lesson two. It doesn't always have to be long. I know as a pastor sometimes I, I, I say I'm going to be short and I, I'm not. because, And part of that is because I have such a passion, I have such a desire to preach the gospel that I love talking about Jesus. But today I'm going to end real quickly here with just a simple thing. The truth. We are a missional people. We are called to either be in mission or to support mission. And part of that mission is to be evangelist, which is we are called to, to not bring Christ to other people, but to find where Christ already is and serve the people there. And as a church, I hope as we continue to move forward, and we've done great in that area. I'm not saying, you know, sometimes we say this, we've got to get going on this. People go, well, haven't we been doing this? We absolutely have. And I praise God for that. But I also praise God for the opportunities he's going to have for us here in the near future and the long term. For wherever two or three are gathered in his name, his spirit is present. Wherever his spirit is present, then the people there are called to be evangelists and a missional people for the will and the works of the Lord our God. Amen? Let us pray. Father God, I give you thanks and praise for your word this morning, for your call in our hearts, for the missions that you have given to us, and that you include us, although you have no need of any one of us, for you may accomplish all your will all by yourself. And yet, 